deep left into the bleachers. A two-run homer. A swing and a miss. Ball game. Liftoff. And history marches on. 22 consecutive wins. From the sports desk of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. This is Leading Off with Ryan Lewis, a podcast on the Cleveland Indians. Santana makes the catch! Ball game! The Indians have won the American League pennant! The Cleveland Indians are going to the World Series! Now, Ryan Lewis and Dan Kadar. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. This is Dan Kadar, and of course I'm joined by Ryan Lewis. Ryan, the Indians are off today. You're not off today because you're recording this podcast. How's it going? <laughs> uh, it's going all right. It's, uh, I'm probably having a, a much less stressful day than those on the Indians coaching staff and in the front office as they're dealing with uh, you know, several uh, you know, individual setbacks recently, which, which we're about to get into. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty... Uh, a low stress Monday for us, uh, not so much for other people within the organization. Yeah, indeed. That we cover the uh, the Indians lost Jose Ramirez to a fractured hamate bone in his right hand, and that's what we're going to talk about a lot today. The that itself, the fallout from it, how the Indians are going to kind of cope with it. We're going to talk Fran Mil Reyes a bit. We're going to talk Yu Chang. A little bit, and we'll see what else we get into here today on on leading off. But if anybody doesn't know, real quick, the hamate bone. If you put your hand up, it's kind of like the bone that is in the meat of your hand, I would say, um, below your pinky finger and above your wrist. So that's your hamate bone. Jose Ramirez says it's broken. It, it's too early to kind of say, is he done for the year, Ryan? But this certainly does not sound good whatsoever, does it? No, I mean, it's, it's without question, uh, very tough news for the Indians. And, uh, you know, it certainly has the potential to be, uh, you know, much worse. Uh, it is, we're recording at a little after 2.30 on Monday. Uh, Jose Ramirez will be going into surgery in about an hour and a half or so. Um, and after the surgery is completed in New York, that is when, you know, at some point uh, that the Indians will be updating um, everyone in terms of his timetable. Obviously, he's going to miss, you know, it's, it's safe to say that it is extremely likely that he's going to miss at least a couple of weeks. And then beyond that, um, you know, there's, there's a bit of a window where, you know, the Indians might get a little lucky or they may get unlucky and and, and this could be a, a very big deal um you know either way really uh but this uh this could certainly devolve into into a much bigger situation if if his you know rehab time is uh you know lengthier than than, than what it could be um you know it the, the timing is is especially uh you know brutal uh for this indians team and they've you know they've dealt with this the past couple of years that the indians haven't just dealt with injuries uh, they've dealt with injuries at, at the wrong time, uh, time and time again. Um, excuse me. Uh, it was well documented in 2016 that uh, you know they, they dealt with so many injuries and then went on that run where they really weren't supposed to do, to do much that postseason. Uh, you know, Michael Brantley at different times has been hurt. Carlos Carrasco has been sidelined at key times in 2016. You no, know, Danny Salazar being sidelined has has somewhat become the norm now. But at the time, it was it was a major blow for an all star. You know, level pitcher at the time, you know, 
Um, and it's something that the Indians have dealt with time and time again. They've dealt with it this season as well. Um, so they have, you know, they have proven to be a, a rather resilient bunch, but this does create, um, you know, quite the task at hand as they're not only chasing the Twins in the division, but they're also battling uh, the Oakland A's and the Tampa Bay Rays uh, for the two available wildcard spots. And the Indians have a, a key series this weekend in Tampa. Um, you know, that, that'll kind of set up the last month of the season. But no, this is, this is a major blow, especially considering that the Indians had waited almost a calendar year for Jose Ramirez to really return to form. You know, beginning around the beginning of August last season is when Jose Ramirez really started to struggle pretty severely. And then he, you know, obviously opened up this season very slow. And it was only six, seven, eight weeks ago that he really started to get it going. And since that point, he's been as productive as just about any hitter in baseball. So to lose that type of production out of the middle of your lineup, is, it, 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 it can be a killer. It's a, it's a huge uh, you know, blow to, to this lineup that had, had only recently really started to roll. Uh, you know, with Jose, with Francisco Lindor, Carlos Santana, Oscar Mercado, then the Indians added Puig and Reyes to it. And all of a sudden, things started to look good, and this team had just about as much positive momentum as any team in baseball. And rather cook, quickly, with Corey Kluber set back, now this. You know, that is no longer the case, and the Indians have a, a very uphill uh, battle coming up for the last four or five weeks of the season here. They really do, and Ryan mentioned Corey Kluber, that we talked about him on last week's episode, so if you haven't listened to that, go check it out. You can find us on basically every streaming service uh, out there right now. But, look, th- this is a pretty common injury in baseball, the hamate bone injury. Most famously recently, John Carlos Stanton had it. Um, Joey Gallo had it. So it's it's a fairly common injury in baseball. But, boy, you're right. It is it is a big blow. Since June 1st, Jose Ramirez has been hitting 286 with 16 home runs. And like you said, he's right there in the middle of the order now. Um, it, it seems like, Ryan, we, we spent the first... I don't know, two months of the baseball season leading up to when they got Puig and, and Reyes talking about how are they going to situate the lineup? Is it going to keep evolving? Is it going to keep moving around? And then kind of it kind of solidified more with these new guys and with Ramirez hitting better and Kipnis hitting better. It, it looked pretty sound what they were putting out there every day. Now it, it brings up the question of, without Ramirez, is this just as easily as Fran Miel Reyes sliding into the, the five spot in the order? Or is it going to be a thing like we saw previously where guys were bouncing up and down and around in the batting order? You know, Reyes bat fifth in the Indians' last game, Kipnis sixth, uh, Yu Chang batted seventh. Is that, is that going to be the normal thing, do you think, or are we going to see it shift around more again? Well, it does, it does create just an extra spot where the Indians may try to, uh, you know, take advantage of either, um, you know, who, who might have the hot hand or a matchup. But, uh, you know, now that, you know, Reyes has started to hit a little bit, um, he's, been, he's been working on, on how to handle an everyday DH spot, which isn't, you know, it's not something that's completely new to him, but when you're doing it every day now, and with him being under club control for such a long time, uh, you know, the Indians can, can maximize his value by having him in that DH spot. Um, you know, he's been kind of tinkering with some things with, with, with the best way to handle that. Uh, and then in New York, when the Indians traveled to play the Mets, 
Uh, Reyes found himself, you know, for the most part, out of the lineup uh, without a spot, and he he essentially used that extra time, you know, where he's not going to have regular at bats coming up. He essentially used that time to really focus on his swing and, and almost use it as like a little mini, you know, spring training. Mm. Um, and he he's he's come back and and over, over the last couple of days uh, had uh, that that tremendous game uh, yesterday where he had two home runs, uh, including. With the Indians down to the last out, he had the game time three run home run. Uh, he had an extra base hit the day before, so he's he's looking much more comfortable now. Um, so that that does you know afford the Indians the, the ability to kind of just you know like you, like you mentioned just plug him in instead of mixing things up too much. Uh, now that he's kind of gotten going, you know that just adds length and this this lineup really had you know essentially transformed itself from from early in the season where you have a, a healthy Francisco Lindor. You have a productive Oscar Mercado. Um, Carlos Santana has been pretty consistent, but you know you had you had guys to kind of complement the stars on you know in this lineup, and then Jose Ramirez got going, and then you had Puig and Reyes. Uh, Roberto Perez has at least you know, given much more offensively than he has in the past, and so on. And um, you know it it became a lineup that you know was much closer to you know what what a, what a contender would need to have to to really push. You know the Houston Astros, the New York Yankees, on and on. Um, but losing Ramirez is just—it's just, you know—it's a couple steps forward from where they were, but it's—it's it's now one one pretty major step back. So I'm gonna be shifted a little bit. Uh, Yu Chang, who we're we're gonna talk about quite a bit, um, had a had a pretty nice day yesterday, uh, and he and Mike Freeman can sort of bounce around the infield in a split time. Um, Terry Fagone did say that it won't be a—they're not going to use a direct platoon. Um, to a greater extent, they may just ride the hot hand. You know, it might be Yu Chang. Mike Freeman's also played pretty well. So they do have some options uh, to go there, but replacing Jose Ramirez, as they know, is, is is not something that's going to happen. And that's something that they essentially told Yu Chang that is that you don't need to be Jose Ramirez and don't try because very very few players can can match that level the level of production. But if he can, uh, you know, give some nice contributions here and there, that's you know that's probably above what would be expected already. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Freeman in, in very limited duty this year. He has 114 at-bats. He's hitting 281 with four home runs and 19 RBI and playing pretty decent defense. Um, but do you truly expect that he's going to kind of go with whoever's hot or just flip-flop between those two guys? Do you think one of them can really seize the position? Well, I don't think one factor is just going to drive it, mm-hmm. you know, on an everyday basis. And they're just going to look at this and 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 you know, go full speed ahead with that. There, there will be a, a, a number of things. Um, how each player is playing, um, you know, different uh, different workloads for for other players, because uh, you know both Chang and Freeman can move around the infield. Uh, certain matchups with pitchers, pitcher types, all of it will kind of go into it. But but for you, Chang. You know, he's a guy where he hasn't quite been considered a top prospect at any point, but he's a guy who on several occasions has had his name pop up in uh, trade discussions and, and, and trade rumors, and not necessarily as the, um, you know, as, as the headliner of a, of a, of a potential prospect mm-hmm. package. But he's been mentioned multiple times. He's someone with some value. Um, and, you know, the Indians moving forward, if, you, you know, if, we're, if we're looking forward to 2020, you know, at this point, it's very likely that Jason Kipnis will have his club option uh, for 2020 declined, and you know, the Indians are going to have some options in terms of 
Jose Ramirez can play third or second on free agency. There's some flex- flexibility there in a trade as well. But Yu Chang sort of has a, a it's a small window. It's not going to outright determine anything on its own. But he does have a little bit of a window here where he might be able to, you know, uh, to a greater extent, insert himself into the Indians' future plans, where if he can prove to be productive, uh, just to the major league level, in a, in a, in a, a positive way, uh, relatively quickly, you know, he could you know, possibly alter some plans, possibly put himself in those plans, you know, going forward. So this is a, a fairly key stretch for him, um, even though, you know, of course, if he's, if he's not receiving every day at bats, it's probably not an ideal situation, but these two guys are now being um, directly, you know, thrust into a, a very key stretch for the Indians where uh, they, they certainly have their handful, handful over the final month, uh, you know, potentially without Ramirez for at least a stretch of that, and, uh, you know, for sure without Kluber for at least a stretch of that, and, and possibly longer for, for his timeline as well. Uh, you know, we're also waiting on an update on Corey Kluber. So, uh, you know, those two guys, uh, you know, will, you know, potentially play a, a key part. And Mike Freeman, someone who seems like every time he gets put into a game or he, he spells, you know, Lindor for a day or spells Hitness for a day, he ends up with, with some big hits. So he's, he's carried his weight as well. Um, but for Chang, you know, he he could have a uh, you know a role going forward. He could carve out much more than you know than what he's than what he's done so far with uh, with a little bit of a window here. Mm-hmm. And he's an interesting player, Yu Chang. He just turned 24 this month. He's um, he was in Akron in 2017. I mean, if anybody went to a Rubber Ducks game in 2017, you saw Yu Chang playing because he got a ton of at bats. To me, he's kind of uh, really the the way you would describe most modern baseball players: a lot of power, a lot of strikeouts. Does that that's, that sound about right, there, Ryan? Well, um, yeah, offensively, I, I I'd like to sort of see how how he adjusts to this level. Mm. Um, but he is a guy. There's there's a lot of flexibility there in terms of how how he could be used going forward and. And for a while now, you know, it's been seen the Indians had Kipnis at second base, when healthy, Lindor at short, and Jose Ramirez at third. So really, any any infielder uh, was never going to be able to carve out a, a significant role. And you know, it's almost almost sort of in the mold of like a, a, an Eric Gonzalez, who who clearly had more value than what the Indians were using him for. So the Indians went out and and used essentially used Eric Gonzalez to to nab a, a couple of pieces, um, you know, to add. Had some areas in need of depth. Um, the the opportunity, I think, is certainly there. <clears throat> Again, he's never been considered within you know among the Indians' top prospects, but he's always been right there. He's always been relatively you know highly thought of. He's always been you know discussed in trade rumors and as as an asset that teams do covet. Um, so he's got a little bit of window here. It's probably not fair to say you know here's a couple of weeks during a run where you may not be getting everyday playing time, this is going to determine your future role. Um, but it is a, it's a clear opportunity for him, uh, you know, for as long as Jose Ramirez is out. And like we said, you know, we hopefully will know more in about a day uh, or, or within a day um, in terms of his timeline, just so, you know, that, that, that outline is there. Um, but this could be an extended time. It could even stretch into October. And, you know, that's, a, that's now a key spot in the lineup that the Indians have to address. Mm. So that's kind of the status of where the Indians stand right now. And look, next week we'll get into it more, but we, we do want to spend a, a tiny bit of time this week 
talking about baseball's most controversial subject going right <laughs> uh-huh. now. That is the players' weekend jerseys. The Indians were in all black. The Royals were in all white. Terry Francona said it made everyone look like, quote, morons. Uh, I agree, especially with the white ones. I think the black ones were okay. Ryan, I love the idea of Players Weekend. I think it's the most fun thing baseball does. I think this was a big fail with these black and white jerseys. Do you have, a, do you have any Players Weekend jersey hot takes? <laughs> well, I, I do. I, I agree. I also I really, really like the Players Weekend. Yes. Um, I wouldn't be against them doing this you know, a couple times throughout the year even. Um, this year, they kind of missed the mark. Um Especially with the white jerseys, I felt because a you you cannot read what's on the the, the nameplate on the back, which is kind of the entire point, you know, of this is to allow players to kind of customize what's on there. And you just you couldn't read it at all. Um, and then the other issue is the pitchers for the white jerseyed teams had to wear uh, you know different colored hats and different colored undershirts. Mm. And this kind of created an issue. It didn't look great. The black jerseys, not the uniforms, just the jerseys, I think look really, really sharp. Um, in terms of like a clothing option, I think all black almost always looks really sharp. Um, I would have loved to have had to have seen the option of maybe the all black jersey with white pants for the like the home white pants, something like that. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I think that I think that looks really sharp. Baltimore has done that in the past. San Francisco has done that in the past. Um, I, I think it's a really good look. Um, even then, I I did not mind the black uniforms altogether. I th- they were okay. Um, the red belt did look pretty sharp, and you could at least read the nameplate. Um, but overall, yeah, the reception wasn't great. The Indians had an issue in one of their games with the Royals because Kyle Zimmer uh, had a had a white undershirt, which. You know, per the rules, you're, you can't really have uh, as a pitcher. You, uh, you can't be distracting the hitter like that, or have that close of a color to the ball like that. Um, so the Indians had an issue that they had to uh, direct to the league, which uh, Terry Francona said was um, unfortunate. But yeah, Tito especially was not a fan of mm-hmm. the black pants that they had to wear. Uh, he saw Brian Sweeney walking up and said something along the lines of, "I hope I don't look as stupid as you." And a couple of people mentioned, well, no, you look worse. Um, So, yeah, Tito wasn't a fan of walking out to the mound this weekend. Kind of made that pretty clear. Um, Because they kind of, they almost look like pajama pants, really. I mean, they don't, they just don't look like baseball pants. Um, So I thought it was okay. I thought the jerseys looked pretty sharp, at least the top half. Hmm. Um, If you were, if you were in the, in the all black jersey. So Hmm. that was fine. It, It was fine. It's a good marketing thing. They just kind of probably missed the mark a little bit, at least with the whites, I thought. The white jerseys. And on that, we're going to end the podcast there, everybody. Make sure you're following Ryan on Twitter. He's at Lewis. Maybe he'll have some more jersey thoughts on there. Who knows? You can find all of his stuff over at Ohio.com slash Indians. But thanks, everyone, for listening this week. And we will talk to you next time.